there was a new preacher that went into like a, a prairie parish and there was like a traveling preacher. And uh, when he got there, there was only one person that was there. And he was a little discouraged, a little disappointed, didn't know how to handle it. And he kind of started wondering out loud. He said, you know, well, I'm wondering, should I, should I go ahead and preach or, you know, maybe we should cancel it? What should we do? And the, guy, the one guy that was there, he replied and said, well, you know, I, I, I'm the, I don't know much. I'm just a cowhand. But if one, if I went to feed my cattle and only one showed up, I'd be darned if I wouldn't feed her. So he was appreciative of that. And he went, he started to preach and his 45 minute sermon turned into an hour and a half. And he was excited, and he was just laying it out. And the guy was there the whole time, just listening, listening, listening. And at the end of it, he said, well, how did you like it? He said, well, I don't know much about sermons. I'm just a cowhand. But if only one of my cows showed up to be fed, I don't think I'd feed her the whole load. <laughs> so, anyway. See, where did he go wrong? He shouldn't have asked. Right? Anyway, television uh, tends to be a reflection. And since this is going to be an introduction of a new series, I thought maybe we'd kind of keep it loose and ask some questions and kind of get some response. But since television is a reflection of our society, one of the things that's fascinating to me is to observe the subtle messages that come through. And uh, particularly in the area of commercials, they amaze me. And um, this is kind of a, a general theme that runs, underlying theme that runs throughout all commercials. Let me kind of set it up and you tell me what the message is, okay? It's a new car dealership, and there's a middle-aged couple that are there, and they're looking at a new car. And you, you can picture the scene. There's a salesman there. There's a husband. There's a wife. They're looking at the car. The guy gets inside the car, and he goes like this. I like it. I like it. Then he starts looking at all the little doodads and the gadgets, and he looks at all the rest of the stuff, and he, he smells that Corinthian leather. And, uh, and he goes, you know... Or, or cloth upholstery, depending on what you can relate to. But um, so, well, you got to make it personal. And, uh, and he goes, man, I really like it. And his wife's standing there, you know, she's smiling and everything. And, he, and then finally, out of the you can hear, it, it, he's getting more and more excited. He goes, I want it. And the music crescendos in the back and it says, you can have it. What's the message? If you want it, you're going to have it. Right? Is, not, is that not the message of every commercial that you see on TV today? If you want it, you can have it. Now, how do they work it out? How do they work it out? How many, how many of you here are in sales? Oh, this is going to be sick. I know it. <laughs> but you take that chance sometimes. This is live TV, you know. We'll edit the tape, but this is live. Um, I'm afraid to ask, like, this, who sells something somewhat non-threatening? <laughs> oh, you do. I'm oh, sure you do. See, you know you're going to get a free little plug out of this. Go ahead, hire. Tell us. What do you sell? Insurance. Insurance. <laughs> Don't feel threatened by the old, you know you're going to die. You better stock up on some insurance. Um, maybe somebody sells something else. Uh, somebody, what do you sell? Uh, we sell insurance to roofing materials, commercial roofing materials. Okay. 
How, how, about, how about, that's not exactly, is that a retail type thing or you sell through contractors and things like that? Okay. Uh, how about somebody sells something retail? How many sell like TVs or something like that? Watches? That's right. Oh, this is great. This is a guy that sells Rolex watches and he wears them, he wears them every weekend and then he delivers them to his clients on Monday. <laughs> this guy is unbelievable. But hey, somebody's got to do it. There's a need. Yeah, but see, Rolex isn't even going to work because it, it's beyond the, the comprehension of most people. You saw, okay, okay, yeah, whatever. Hey, keep thinking, everybody. Um, thank you, though. Thank you very much for offering. Anyway, if you want to buy Rolex, you know what to say now. Although there's something about they leave, oh, they burn his wrist. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Make you a good deal, though. Um, bicycles. Now, now we're getting into, okay, now we're getting into, can everyone identify with bicycles? Okay, bicycle. Yeah, yeah, bicycle, yeah. Okay. What's, what's a good sales line that you use when you're selling a bicycle? Quality. 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 Okay, there's a sales pitch for you. But see, if you want it, you can have it. But what's generally the problem that you've got to overcome? Price. Price. Yeah, there we go. There's a good woman there. Price conscious. You've got to overcome the obstacle of price. So how do you do it? Oh, there it is. Did you hear it? Hear it? Every, everybody in sales says, amen. What is it? Uh, excuse me, um, what can you afford to pay per month? Is that it? Hey, you want this big screen TV? $22.50 a month. The cable. The cable's 35 that hooks up to it. All it is, a little wire comes out of the wall. You're paying 35 a month. You can certainly pay $22. You want it? You can have it. Why? You can afford the monthly payment. Go into an auto dealership, what is it? How much can you pay per month? Buy TV, how much can you pay per month? Buy insurance, it's only so much per month. You follow this? See, and if you want it, you can have it as long as what? You can afford the monthly payment. That's it. That is it in a nutshell. We're in the heating and air conditioning business. We had a guy that worked for us. This is a classic and a great illustration of this truth. He was out and he was doing a presentation. He was trying to sell uh, People Central air conditioning system. And the uh, first thing that he does is he goes in and he immediately says, oh, do you mind? At the time he was wearing a jacket. He said, oh, man, do you mind if I take my jacket off? <laughs> it is really hot in here. Oh, really hot in here. And they were sitting down and, and, uh, and before he does it, he kind of drives up with the heater on in his car, you know, and it gets a little sweat bead going there. Goes and sits down and says, man, it's hot in here. And so they start to talk. And then he says, sir, do you have air conditioning in your car? I goes, well, yes, I do. Do you have air conditioning in your office? Well, yes, I do. Hmm. Ma'am, are you home most of the day? <laughs> and it's like, and, and she thinks he's a prophet now. She goes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And he goes, so you drive to work in an air-conditioned car, you spend all day at an air-conditioned office during the heat of the day, and your wife is home, and does she like making meals and things like that, and iron your clothes and do the washing and cleaning, and does she do all that for you? Yes, she does. <laughs> you know, man, that's something. Well, I can see if you're in an air-conditioned car in an air-conditioned office all day, air-conditioning probably isn't that important to you. 
but it sounds like it's really important to you. Isn't it important to you? Oh, yes, it is very important to me. Oh, boy, it'd be great. Yeah, boy, I can, I can iron like crazy. I could iron for three days in a row if I had air conditioning. She was going at it. And all of a sudden, he got her, right? And this is where it's going. And this is what, what it ended up. He goes, do you realize for just $2.27 a day, you could have air conditioning? Keep it in mind, $2.27 a day. Give me a call during the week. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. But you know what it is? With the amazing, oh, just kidding. No, you bought a system from us recently. I, no, that's not true. Oh, no, no, no. That's if you were to finance it. You shouldn't have paid cash. See, that's where you made your mistake. <laughs> but you, you see what happens? And it was like, the, the bad thing was, he didn't get the deal because this guy was so upset with him. Somebody else came in and sold him air conditioning. But the point is, it's like, hey, you break it down and say, if you want it, you can have it. And the only thing that makes a difference anymore is as long as you can afford the monthly payment. That is our mentality, and guess what? It carries over into every area of life. If you want it, you can have it. Why? I can afford it. I work hard for it. I'm a good guy. I'm a good gal. Um, I deserve it. I earn it. I should have it. So what is it saying? So the advertisers hype all this up, and they try to produce a discontentment in areas where we should have contentment, and they tell us, you know what? If you had this, it would do wonders for your self-esteem. If you had this, it would do wonders for your sense of self-worth. You deserve it. Life's too short. Go for the gusto. Anything you want, you can have. And you know what? And I know I'm hitting a nerve because several of you are here today and you know that there is something you want in life. And you've already gone through the whole process of rationalizing it and you've already said, hey, I earned it. I worked hard for it. I can't afford it. And I'm going to have it. Now I'm going to kill a lot of people who are trying to sell you whatever it is they're trying to sell you by saying what I'm about to say. When did we adopt this philosophy in our life that just because we, quote, can afford a monthly payment that it's the right thing to have? When have we adopted that? When did that come about? So you know what comes back? TV. It comes by pleasing ourselves. We live to please ourselves, and it's not hard to justify it and rationalize it. Hey, let me tell you something. It's not hard for you to convince me that I should please myself. It's very natural, and it's not hard for me to convince you either. And if I just say the right word or the right sentence or present it in such a way that you can't refute it, and you don't have any other convictions any deeper than that, then you are going to have it. And you know what? It's going to lead you down a dead-end street, and it's not going to produce what you think it's going to produce. Let me just remind you of something Solomon said, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're using his series as a springboard for what we're about to do. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this. Where is all of this selfishness leading us? Where is it leading us? Yeah. Leading us into a tremendous debt as far as our nation is concerned. Consumer debt's higher than it's ever been in the history of our country. Where is it leading us to say that we can adopt a please yourself philosophy in life? What does pleasing yourself do for things like drug and alcohol abuse? What does the philosophy of pleasing yourself do for the amount of crime that's now reported in most of our major cities? Crimes are committed with an underlying philosophy of I'm pleasing myself at someone else's expense. Yeah. 
We can't build prisons fast enough in this country. We can't. And because of that, we just send people back out on the streets because we can't convict them and hold them for what they do. And they go back out with the same philosophy of, hey, you know what? I want to please myself. What does pleasing ourselves do for our society, yet alone for us as individuals? What does pleasing ourselves do to the, to the rate of teenage pregnancy? What does pleasing ourselves do to what's happening as far as abortion? Self-pleasure that leads to consequences isn't doing anybody any good, nor our society as a whole, yet alone us as individuals. Pleasing ourselves is a dead-end street, and it's even worse than that. It's almost like a cul-de-sac because you end up getting in it and you just keep on chasing your tail. Looking for that thing that's going to please you and everything that you acquire, it doesn't work like it's supposed to. And I like what one man said. He says, human desire always exceeds our ability to acquire. The more that we have, the more that we want. Pleasing ourselves doesn't work. Doesn't work, never will. It's a, it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not going to work in your life and it's not going to work for our nation. Solomon saw it. And you know what his conclusion was? Look at Ecclesiastes 2. He said, you know what? I bought into that. I went into the please myself mode. I gave it a shot. I tried it out. And you know what? That was a waste of time. He said, and I said to myself in verse 1 of chapter 2, says, come now, I will test you with pleasure. What's he saying? So enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Please yourself. That's what life's all about. And behold, you know what? It was a waste of time. It was futility. It was vanity. It was meaningless. It didn't provide any purpose in my life. In fact, it was frustrating. Then he goes on and said, I said, of laughter, it's madness, of pleasure, what does it accomplish? What does it get me? What is the gain or the profit? He says, I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of their lives. Do you see what his frustration is? You know what it is? How many of you have ever been frustrated in why you're here? Not here, although I'm sure. <laughs> nah. Nah, you couldn't ask that. Have you ever been? Why am I here? Why was I ever born? Why am I on this planet? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? Why am I here? And you know what's amazing? A frustration carries over. Why am I married? Why do we have children? Why do I have this business? Why am I in this job? Why am I looking for another house? Why am I going to buy another car? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Do you ever get to that point where you just kind of go, man, what am I doing? And if you haven't, you will when you slow down long enough and you start chasing it. And you say, what, and Solomon said, what gain is there in what I'm doing? What profit is there? What benefit? And he says, you know what? And I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing while I'm here on earth. Hey, it's obvious we're all going to die. We're going to check out someday. It's kind of like, okay, let me just give you a little hint. Why don't you start paying attention and ask yourself this question. Why am I here and what am I supposed to be doing between now, today, and the day that you die? What are you supposed to be doing? Huh? Well, one philosophy says you're supposed to be pleasing yourself because you are going to die. You might as well eat, drink, and be merry because you might already die. That's one philosophy. Please yourself. Solomon said, you know what, I tried that, it doesn't work. It's real frustrating. In fact, it leaves me pretty empty. So he went on and he says, I enlarged my works. Oh, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be building bigger works. I'm supposed to build my company up. I'm supposed to make more money on the bottom line. I'm supposed to maybe diversify and branch out and have three or four more offices. Maybe acquire some businesses. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what I, I learned in business school. You're supposed to want more and more and more. You're supposed to want to achieve and accomplish. You're supposed to want to do that. And then you got like a wife who goes, but why are you doing it? You don't understand. That's a good answer because you don't either. But it makes them feel dumb. 
It makes you feel like you're in control, and you know what's going on. So you just say, oh, see, you just don't understand. And even as we reflected last night in our meeting, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we here? What's Kindred Fellowship? Why, what's our purpose? Why are we here? And a lot of times you have to go back to and say, hey, this is why we're here. Let's focus on why we're here, and let's achieve those object objectives of why we're supposed to be doing what we're doing. But if I can't come up with a reason, I'm not going to do it. Why am I teaching? If I didn't have a reason for it, I wouldn't be doing it. And I'll share with you as we go through it, uh, because some of you are probably wondering the same thing. Why is he here? <laughs> but he said, I, I made gardens and parks for myself. I planted and all kind of fruit trees. I, I made ponds of water for myself in which to irrigate a force of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. I had home-born slaves. Hey, I'm supposed to have a lot of employees. If you're in business, you're supposed to have a lot of employees. That's what you're supposed to do. So you're supposed to grow. You're supposed to have a lot of people who report to you. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's why. You ever get frustrated with that and wonder, why am I doing that? more people you employ, the easier it is to see how valid that question becomes. It says, I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. You know, what he said was, hey, why do I keep putting more money in my savings account? Why am I accumulating, collecting? Why do I want more money? Why am I doing all that? It just becomes numbers. You ever notice that in your checkbooks, savings books? It, it, they just go up and down. That's all that they do. Why are you doing it? What are you socking it away for? What's the whole purpose in all of it? And so what happens is you get sucked into the philosophy of saying, well, you know what? There's no sense in saving it because you're going to die anyway, so you might as well please yourself today. See how it goes? So you slowly, subtly get turned in that direction. That's why you're here. Why? To please yourself. Oh, Solomon said that's not going to work, so don't, get, don't fall into that pit. And he goes on and he says, man, you know what? I provided for myself male and female singers, pleasures of men, many concubines. Hey, enjoy sex. That's what I'm supposed to do. We know the cape of berries aren't going to work forever, so we might as well enjoy them while they're there. <laughs> And, uh, of course, you had to be there in the last series to appreciate it. Some of you are asking, what is a caper berry? You're going to run home, and you're going to be at the Ralph's grocery store looking up and down the shelves. <laughs> and you're not going to find it. <clears throat> it says, then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Uh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to have a reputation. I want everybody to know who I am. That's what I'm supposed to do. It says, all, my eye, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all the labor, and this was labor and reward. And he said, Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted. And behold, all was vanity, striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. You know what he said? He was frustrated at the end of all of it. And let me just tell you something, because I believe the Word of God is true. What I want you to see is exactly what Solomon saw. And that is, if you live to please yourself you're going to be frustrated at the end of that journey. And I want to catch you, and I want to catch me, before we keep going down that path. We need to refocus on why we're here. We need to understand our purpose in being here. And you know what's an amazing thing if you're still in Ecclesiastes 2? You know what he said? He came to a conclusion at the end of the chapter. And this is one most people don't like to hear. But it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. If you believe what God says and you live according to His principles, it's going to change your life. Solomon said this, you know what I discovered? I'm not here to please myself. I'm here to please God. That was his conclusion. And that's what he said. Look in verse 24. He said, there's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that it's from the hand of God. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him? Do you see it? He said, this is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be here to please God. That's it. We are supposed to be here to please God. 
So as we go through the series and in a way of introduction, I just want to lay the groundwork and tell you this. That you and I are not here to please ourselves, contrary to every advertisement you'll ever see for the rest of your life. And let me just blow it out the door right now, and you take this with you, and you just, the next time somebody says what the monthly payment is, you need to ask yourself a different question. How is what I'm going to buy going to please God? It's not a question of whether you can afford it. That's never the issue. You'll never find that anywhere in here. Proverbs doesn't say, if thou affordeth the monthly payment, <laughs> thou can't have it. It doesn't say it. It's not there. You need to ask yourself the question, how is what I'm about to do going to please God? How? And the problem that we're going to have as we go through this is that he lays it out pretty clearly that, you know what? You're not going to find pleasure in this life outside of pleasing God. As we please God, we then find pleasure in being here. But there's something noble about that. I just saw this recently, and I know I'm going to offend some of you because I know you think Baby Blue Eyes is special. Or, or whatever his name is. What's that old guy's name? Frank Sinatra or something like that? Oh, old Blue Eyes, yeah. Used to be Baby Blue Eyes when he was young. Now it's Old Blue Eyes now. We know how that works. But you know, you know the song that he sings? But something most of all, I did it my way, everybody, and then. But, and, and we look at it and we go, oh, man, that's noble. Oh, man, that's stupid. Because it sure has brought joy and satisfaction into his life. Huh? See, that's the problem with these philosophies. It takes time to show how false they really are. And so even though he did it his way, the reality of all of it is there's no joy, pleasure, satisfaction, contentment in this life doing it your way, but you'll find it if you do it God's way. Which raises two questions. Let me ask you this, and I know we're running out of time. In fact, we are out of time. Man. Well, you'll just have to come back next week. <laughs> Let me ask you this, and this is what we're going to start off with next week. Why, why should you please God? Two questions, and this, this, this series that we're going to do is going to basically broken up two ways. The first section is going to be, why please God? Why should I please God? I don't know about you, but if I don't have a good reason to do something, I'm not highly motivated to do it. If somebody says, you know, uh, you need to go to church. When I first became a Christian, they said stupid things like this to me all the time. You know, really should we go to church? And I say, well, why? And say, um, um. <laughs> you, have, you have kids? You ever tell your kids to do something? And they say, why? What is the most common response of a frustrated parent? <laughs> because! And then they tag along, because I say so. Ooh, okay, that sealed it. <laughs> but if you've ever done that, have you ever asked why? And have somebody say, because? I'm not real motivated to listen to somebody who isn't bright enough to know why they do what they do. And that's the problem with a lot of us. Christians, are uh, uh, we're sick. We do things, and we don't even know why we do it. We can't, we, we're not ready to give a defense for the hope that's within us because we don't even know what the hope is that's within us. We don't really have a good feel for what God has to say, so we can't answer people when they ask us why we do what we do. Hey, why do you go to church? Um, why are you here? Why do you read your Bible? 
Why do you pray? Uh, why do you share Christ with people that you work with? Um, why, why do you drink or why don't you drink? Why do you watch certain movies and why don't you watch certain movies? Uh, why do you play cards or why don't you play cards? Why do you do what you do? Why do you buy? Why do you buy? Why do you acquire? Why do you have more possessions? Is it because you can afford the monthly payments? Why do you do all these things? Let's leave here today committed to asking ourselves a tough question. And that is, why am I doing what I'm doing? You see, that's what God wants. He wants us to ask why. You know what's exciting to me? I got some guys that I'm, that I'm sharing with that are on the Rams. One guy in particularly doesn't enjoy my presence when I come around. And you know what the amazing thing is? He keeps telling these guys. In fact, it was funny, and I'll close on this, but we had to, one of the guys were there. Well, Larry, was, uh, his wife was there, and she had to get this kind of doctor, so she was at her house. And so Linda said, well, why don't you stay for dinner and check, call Larry, leave a message, and then um, have him come for dinner. So I called over, and I talked to the guy that's in the, in the locker room. I said, hey, leave Larry a message, put in his thing, and have him call me before he leaves. So as he was going, and he saw the note, and he, and he read it, and the one guy that isn't real crazy about me walked by and said, hey, who is that? He goes, well, it's, you know, it's Chuck Obramski. He's the guy that does our Bible studies. He spoke at the service and stuff. He goes, oh, you mean your guru? He goes, oh, your guru, huh? Yeah. He goes, well, tell him I want him bad, one-on-one. -on -one. I want him one-on-one, -on -one, and I'm going to just put him in his place. And you know what's exciting to me? I can't wait to have him one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> and, and you know why? Because I know what I believe, and I know why I do what I do. He doesn't. He can't answer it. But when you can say why, and you know why, let me just tell you what Jesus said, the truth will set you free. A lot of you are frustrated. You know why? Because you don't know why. You don't know why you do what you do. And this series is going to be designed to help you identify why you do what you do, why please God. Because isn't going to work for me. Don't ever tell me because, save it. If you can give me some good reasons why, and then how, how, how do I please God? Not drinking, not smoking, not running around, not chewing tobacco, not spitting on dogs. Um, I don't know. Yeah, in that order, yeah, somewhere. Or flipping around for you dog lovers. I know that falls straight up on the top. But, but how do you please God? Why do you do what you do, and how do you please God? If our purpose in being here is to please God, I want you to ask a question this week. In everything that you do, every decision that you make, how is what I'm about to do going to please God, or is it? Why? That's the question. Come back next week. Let's pray. Our Father, we just thank you for your word that it gives us reasons for why. Solomon said that pleasing ourselves is a dead-end street, and he gave us a million reasons why that was true. And all of us nod in agreement, and we say, oh, yeah, that's so true. Boy, I'm frustrated by the same thing. I found the same thing to be true in my life. And then we walk away from there, and we keep doing the same stupid things. God, help us to see that your word is true and that your word and your truth will truly set us free. Help us to come and not be afraid to ask why and to challenge one another to give reasons why. Why do we do what we do? And if we're here to please you, Lord, give us some reasons why we should do it and then tell us how to do it and we'll be committed to you. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's wonderful name. Amen.